Hey there, welcome to the Cheerful by Choice podcast. This is where people trying or hoping to be happier come for quick, simple steps we can take to get us there with fun, inspirational stories, reminding us it's okay to be human. It's okay to feel our feelings. And there's always someone out there cheering you on. <laughs> That's me. I'm Lydia Taggart, neuro-linguistic programming practitioner, best-selling author, mom of six, including quadruplets, and daughter of God on a mission to increase happiness and hope in the world. I'm so glad you're here. If you like this show, share and subscribe. Let's get to it. Welcome into another episode of Cheerful by Choice. I'm your host, Lydia Taggart. One of the biggest challenges and blessings of happiness is family and having kids or not having kids, how we go about all of these things. And when, um, when we were starting our family, we were not planning or expecting to have quadruplets. I asked the doctor, you know, how soon can we find out how many kids are in there? He said, oh, you got to go somewhere special for something like that. We don't do those things here. Sure enough. We end up with four babies all at once while we already had two toddlers, big surprise. And it wasn't, it wasn't until my husband says, yes, we're keeping all of them. And I was like, oh yeah, God gave us this. This is what he wants us to do. This is his plan for us. And there's really big moment of obedience. Well, at the same time, I'm going to get emotional already. One of my dear friends was helping and coming to change baby's diapers and bringing us meals while I was on bed rest and all of this. And she was struggling with her infertility, trying to have babies and not getting any. And I thought life is so unfair. This is just not fair at all. Why do I get so many babies? And my friend didn't for a while. Now she has a family and it's been many years. My kids are 16 and older now. And, um, at the time though, there was this really big struggle that I had in choosing to be happy with what we have been given and obeying the will of God. And today we have a very wonderful guest. I'm so excited because she has another story about obeying God and bringing her family to this wonderful place in her home and her heart. Debbie Miggett, welcome to the show. Thanks, Lydia. I appreciate your inviting me. Thank you. So tell us about your story. How did this all happen for you? Oh, um, well, children were always in my heart. I matter of fact, when I was growing up, they kind of called me the Pied Piper because I usually had a couple trailing behind me and one on my hip. And uh, I just love children. And it never occurred to me that uh, I, I wouldn't have any. Uh, you know, that just seemed like God's plan because I firmly believe that um, in the Bible, it says, um, if you delight yourself in him, he'll give you the desires of your heart. And uh, I always, when I was growing up, I thought as a child, I thought, oh, then if I want that, uh, Barbie dream house. That's the desire of my heart. That's what that means. And I learned that's not what that means. In my perspective, what it means is that if we delight in him, he'll put his desires in you and make them your desires. Oh, and so beautiful. I, 
I knew that because I so strongly desired to have children that that had to be his, his plan and purpose for me. So um, when we got married, we immediately, um, I was 23 and my husband was 26 and we thought, you know, uh, we're ready to start a family, you know, whenever God is. And so um, the months and years came and went and um, we reached 10 years. We were in total for 10 years and we you know, tried a number of different avenues and things and um, uh, miscarriage. And so finally, we knew that God was talking to us about adoption. So we began to pursue adoption. And so at 10 years of marriage, uh, we were within just a few months of adopting a newborn. We had uh, talked to an agency and we've been approved through the agency. We were just waiting for a birth mother to choose us. And they said that, you know, according to how things went, uh, we, could, we could very likely have a baby within just a few months. And so this was in uh, April of 1988. And so I was nesting, I was preparing, I was excited finally after 10 years uh, I just knew that we were going to have a baby. And so one day I was uh, at home by myself. I was just cleaning and um, the Lord spoke to my heart. And I had had uh, a lifetime of adventures, I guess, of hearing God. And so I recognized that voice when I heard it. And he said, I want you to call the adoption agency cancel the adoption because your baby isn't coming for them. Oh. 10 years. But when I look back, I, I realized that I didn't even debate. I just knew that I knew that I knew that that was God. And that I believed that if that was what he was telling me, then he had a better way. And so I, um, I talked to my husband and he agreed. And so we called and canceled the adoption. And so I waited patiently for one month. And uh, one day in, in May, um, I was cleaning and I, I had cleaned in between those two times. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't just those two times. And, uh, but it seems like God must have liked to get a hold of me during that point, but I was cleaning and uh, I just stopped and I turned off the vacuum cleaner and I stood in my living room and I said out loud, okay, God, I did what you said. Now, where is my baby? When is my baby coming? And imagine my shock when he answered me. Immediately a scripture popped into my mind and I wasn't familiar with the reference. So I went and grabbed my Bible and I opened it up to second Kings. And I read the exact scripture that had just flashed in my brain and it said at this time next year you will embrace your son oh wow that's very direct yes <laughs> and I was like whoa god I asked I, I guess I just didn't expect that you know specific an answer and uh the context of the scripture is when Elisha is is uh, prophesying to the Shunammite woman and she's taking care of him and, and he asked what he could do for her. And so she said she had no child and he, that's what the, he prophesied. So, um, but God wasn't done. He said, 
um, he continued talking to my heart. And when I say talking, it's like I don't hear him audibly, but I, my heart hears him and uh, my mind hears him. And so, and my spirit responds. It's like there's this something in me that says, this is God, not my brain, not my own imagination. This is God. And so he told me, not only will your baby come in a year, but I'm going to be specific. I want you to write down today's date, which was mm. May 19th, 1988, because it said exactly one year from today, you will embrace your son. So I got out my uh, prayer journal and I wrote down the date and what God had said. And I had learned um, kind of the hard way that sometimes if God speaks a promise to you, if he hasn't shared that with other people, you maybe need to kind of be like Mary and ponder it in your heart. Mm -hmm. uh, if you share it openly there, if they haven't heard that, then how can they buy in? Right. And so sometimes their lack of faith through no fault of their own can erode your faith. So I just really felt a strong urging from the Lord that I wasn't supposed to tell anybody. Um, although I did start buying baby boy clothes. So um, my thought was that because there was a year involved that I was going to get pregnant. And so that was my anticipation. And, but by the fall of that year, when that hadn't happened, I realized that wasn't the plan. So one day in October, I went to a, a baby shower for a friend. And you can imagine that was difficult. Mm -hmm. But I walked in and there was a woman that um, we had attended church with a few years previously. And, and she and her husband had had a ministry of taking in young women that were pregnant and um, giving them a home and helping them to make a decision to either parent or to uh, choose adoption plan. And so I hadn't talked to her in several years, but as soon as she saw me, she motioned me to come, come and sit by her. And she said, uh, Debbie, I have a baby for you. And uh, she was so adamant. I literally looked around thinking, where? <laughs> he has a baby for me. And she said, there's a young woman that's uh, staying with us right now. And her baby is due in six weeks. And she has heard about you and Phil and your long wait for a baby. And she said that God has spoken to her and told her that she's carrying your son. Oh, wow. And so, um, yeah, I was just, I was literally in shock. I, I went home and I was like six weeks, you know, of course, nothing goes as smoothly as what you, you know, <laughs> think it's going to be. <laughs> it was, um, yeah, those six weeks were definitely challenging. And, uh, I, I've written this whole story in my book, uh, child of promise, but there were some ups and downs in that. But um, sure enough, on November the uh, 5th, our son Alex was born. And um, of course, I'm confused. I'm like, okay, I know without a doubt, this is our baby. There's so many absolute confirmations. This is our baby. But what about May 19th? I don't understand. But I just continued. I just knew that we were supposed to take this step and this was our baby. So 
uh, when Alex was um, three days old, we went to the hospital and we brought him home. And uh, at the time, the laws were a bit different. And so we could do a private adoption. We needed to start our home study right away, though. And so um, we were able to bring Alex home from the hospital. And the next day, we were, um, had to go to see the judge so that he could grant us temporary custody. And so we went to the courthouse and uh, I, was, I was a wreck. I just was every, any second, I expected someone to come and take my baby out of my arms. I just, I, it was just a scary time because I knew that a birth mother had not signed the papers yet and that she didn't have the option to change her mind at any minute. And she was also in the courthouse. I mean, we weren't interacting with her, but she was in her other room. And I thought she's only, you know, feet from her, from this baby and nothing can stop her from changing her mind. Right. But, um, you know, the Lord just gave me peace. And so finally she did sign the papers and we went to stand before the judge and uh, he, you know, went through all the legal explanation and um, said that he was granting us temporary custody um, so that we could begin our home study. And we were getting ready to leave the courthouse and the judge stopped us. And he said, uh, can you stop? Just wait just a minute. And of course, my heart drops. I'm like, what, what's happening? You know, I just want to get out of here. <laughs> and he said, um, you know, there is something very special about this adoption. He said, I've never asked this before, but I'd like the privilege of choosing your final adoption date. And we were like, yes, Your Honor, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> so he pulled out a calendar and he flipped through it and he looked up and he looked at us and he said, on May 19th, 1989, Alex will legally forever be your son. Wow. Well, I find it so fascinating that God has all these different pieces in play and speaks to each of us. Even the judge probably wasn't no. aware. No. But God is in every piece of everything. It's so amazing to yes. see that in oh. all the different stories. Yeah. So we get in the car and uh, it's starting to, to dawn on me what's happened. And I started to cry. And of course, my husband, Philly, says, the, the time for crying is past. Everything's good. He said, didn't you hear him? The judge just said that Alex is going to be our son. And I said, you don't understand. Another judge already told me that. Because you haven't and even told your husband. I hadn't told anybody. And so, um, but the amazing thing is um, we have two more children and their stories are just as jaw-dropping, amazing as Alex's. And wow. so um, I came to a point where I said, you know, God, as much as I know that you love me and that you want to give me the desires of my heart, I don't believe that you gave us these three babies in such amazing ways. Just keep it to myself. And so um, I wrote my book, Child of Promise. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, reasons why I wrote the book. Um, 
So one thing I said, even if only my children read the stories, they're so incredible. I always say, if I hadn't lived through it, I, I wouldn't have believed them. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, 11 years later, um, we, were, we were in the process of adopting again and the adoption fell through. Oh. And so, you know, you ask God, it's like, why, why did that happen? Why did our get, hopes get up? But it was interesting because even through the whole process of going to the attorney, meeting the birth mom, um, you know, getting things in order to begin the process, because uh, she, she wasn't due for like another several months. Through that whole thing, there was a part of me inside that was like, I know this is an our baby. I just knew. And so it was like the Lord was really protecting my heart. But yes, yeah, she, she did choose to uh, parent that, that little baby. And so um, in December of that year, so by that time, Alex is um, 11. And um, one day, it was in December, and the Lord just spoke to my heart. I was driving home in the snowstorm. And he said, I want you to open your heart to adoption again. And I was like, God, that hurts too bad. You know, even though there was a part of me that knew that wasn't our baby, you still hope. And, uh, but apparently I must have said yes at some point because that night I woke up at three o'clock in the morning, just wide awake, literally just sat up in bed. And I heard the Lord speak to my heart again. And he said, uh, your time as a family of three is over. You're about to become a family of four. And I went back to sleep. I got up the next morning at nine o'clock, my phone rang. And it was my best friend, Christine. And when we had adopted Alex, um, uh, their, their son uh, was friends with our son. And so, and she and I were best friends. And so, they had seen our adoption and the Lord had spoken to them about adoption. So they had since adopted two children and they had two two-year-olds and their oh. two-year-olds were not um, biological siblings. One was born in February and one was born in April. That's, she's got quite the story too. <laughs> so uh, Christine called me that morning. This is the very next morning after the Lord spoke to me and she said, Debbie, we just got a phone call from um, the adoption agency and uh, our, our daughter's uh, birth mom is pregnant again. And they asked us, uh, she, she asked if we, would, if we would adopt the baby. And she said, but we prayed about it. We have three teenagers and two toddlers. And we just don't feel like God is giving us the, the go ahead. But we told them about you and Phil, that you live like two miles down the road, that we're best friends, and that the babies, would, the children would grow up knowing each other as, as half siblings. And they've moved you a year ahead on the waiting list. And if you want, this baby is yours. Oh, wow. That was the next day after the Lord told me we're about to be a family of four. And so that was in December. And they told us that the baby was due on March 2nd, which is my birthday. So I thought, oh, great. I have all this time to get ready. And um, so I was anticipating. And in, um, on January uh, 7th, which 
is today, I believe. It is, I think. Yes, it is. Our son, Ethan, was born on January 7th, although he was supposed to be born on March 2nd. <laughs> and so uh, today, Ethan is 22 years old. But um, I got a phone call. Uh, Alex and I were getting ready to walk out the door. And the adoption agency called and said, uh, guess what? <laughs> Your baby has already been born. And so um, that's how we, uh, we were able to adopt Ethan. So my best friend and I are raising half siblings that know and love each other. Oh, that's wonderful too. And uh, so the, um, I wasn't necessarily going to tell you all our stories, but once I start, I just, my heart is so full. Cool. <laughs> Um, a year later, um, the Lord had told me that we were going to have a daughter. He'd given me a dream, actually. And uh, I knew that it was going to be in the winter, but I didn't know when. You know, I mean, there had been 11 years between Alex and Ethan, and I, I really didn't want to wait another 11 years. But, um, but sure enough, the Lord spoke to me, and he said that our baby was coming the following year in January. Or, uh, well, he told me she was coming in the winter, but he didn't tell me exactly when but that I needed to be ready by February and so um, I again I didn't tell anybody um, I just uh, called my sister-in-law and we moved into a new a much bigger house and uh, which the Lord knew we were going to need <laughs> because uh, my sister-in-law came and she helped me get some things done and I was basically getting ready for another baby but no one knew and so um, on February 1st I sat down and I was holding Ethan, who was uh, just a little over a year old by that point. And I said out loud, okay, God, it's February 1st. I'm ready whenever you are. Five minutes later, my phone rang. Five minutes? Wow. Five minutes later, my phone rang and I, I looked at it and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> it can't be right. I picked it up and it was uh, the adoption agency that had done Ethan's birth study, birth um, home study. And they said, uh, are you still interested in an African-American baby girl? And I said, oh, absolutely. And she said, we have a little girl and she will be available in three days. Three days. Three days three days. So, um, of course we were just over the moon, <laughs> excited. And, um, but the interesting thing is the night before we went to get Caitlin, I sat down, everybody was asleep. And, um, I sat down with my Bible and I said, God, I, I need to talk to you about this. I said, uh, in case you don't remember in a, just a couple of weeks, I'm going to be 46 years old. I have at this point a 12-year-old and a one-year-old, and I'm about to have a new one, and I'm going to be 46. I need you to speak to me. I need you to encourage me and tell me that I can do this. This is a lifetime commitment. I need to, I just need to know that I can do this. And I opened my Bible and I looked down and I read, even young men think and grow weary, but they that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. 
And I have carried that scripture with me all of these years. Uh, Alex is 33. Ethan turned 22 today. And Caitlin will be uh, 21 in just about three weeks. And I'm 66. And God has just given us the strength and um, the joy. Uh, it's kind of funny when they were, uh, when Alex was a teenager and Ethan and Caitlin were toddlers, I call those the TNT years. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, uh, it was quite the adventure, but um, I, I just am always amazed at God's faithfulness and and that's that's just skimming the surface of the stories the details and all of the intricate miracles so many miracles that happened to bring that all about and uh it it gives me faith to believe god for anything yes i believe in miracles and yes. oh my goodness i'm sure with your connection and communication with god and how he speaks to you and so very obvious ways. I believe he's trying to speak to everyone all the time. Oh, and whether or not we're able to recognize it exactly is another thing. But I I think all these struggles that we have that we think are painful and they are a lot of times they're very painful. Yeah. Not not just that we think that they are, but in the end the purpose I believe God loves us as his children so deeply that he's willing to let us go through hard, hard times to grow. And hopefully we grow closer to him through those struggles. I think of my kids, they're teenagers now, and it is really hard to let them be their own person sometimes. And, yes. and I think I am not God, but I can maybe get a little teeny tiny inkling of his love for us trying to let us grow and be our own people and what he's designed us to be and to choose into that and how when my kids are going through a hard time how much more um i wouldn't say more love for them but it's it's a different kind of connection if they say hey mom I need help mm -hmm. and if we go to God and say hey I need you to talk to me right. and if we're we're able to recognize the different ways that he speaks to us is so powerful and amazing and recognizing that there's miracles and when he gives us something I had a day too that I was like okay God you gave me this you gave me all these quads and these other two kids and mm -hmm within four years, you gave me this, you are in charge and right. you're going to, you're going to do this yeah. for me with me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I think that's just an amazing piece of life to, um, is this where you find your happiness, trusting and, and recognizing the miracles? Uh, yes. And, you know, even before um, this, which, you know, you had said something about your defining story. This is my defining story, but it's not just because God gave us children. Um, I'll go back and tell you one, one thing. Back at the point when we were in the process of the adoption of, of the 
the adoption that the Lord told me to cancel. Mm -hmm. So we've been, we've been waiting for 10 years for a baby. And uh, some very dear people that met well, um, but had my children of their own, um, told my husband, they said, you know, we're really concerned about Debbie. We feel like she's obsessed with having a, with a baby. And, you know, you need to consider that maybe children are not God's plan for you. And, um, you know, maybe God wants to send you to the mission field and, and it wouldn't be, you know, good to have children. And, um, you know, we, we just feel like she's obsessed. And I, I loved and respected these, these folks. Uh, they were very dear to us. And, but I was broken hearted. And not because of what they said, but because I was worried that they were right. And it wasn't that I was worried so much that I'd never have children, but I was worried that I had based the last 10 years of my life on believing something that wasn't true. Mm. and that rocked me to the core and so one night we were at a um a home group a bible study in a friend's home and and this couple were also attending and uh my husband phil was leading worship that night and i just kind of scooted off in the living room in the corner and just kind of sat there uh, during worship and i was just praying and i was crying and i said god I, I don't know what to think. If I, if I have not heard you on this all this time, um, what else have I missed? Where else have I missed you in my life? Oh, yes. And I was just, I was just crying out to him and he gave me the most beautiful answer. He said, Debbie, what they call obsession, I call faith. Oh, that's beautiful. I'm writing that down. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and the peace that came over me, it was like, I may not be understood, but he understands me. And sometimes you have to walk those things alone. I mean, I literally walked it alone. I couldn't even, uh, my husband was struggling with some issues, you know, emotional struggles about children and parenthood. And so at the time, he wasn't in a place to be able to, to talk to me about this. I was literally alone. But God had prepared me. He, I had had a whole history in my life up to that point of him speaking to me and, and guiding me. And again, you, you hit the nail on the head. God speaks to us in so many ways. And a lot of times we don't even recognize it and i one thing that is so great is god has such a great sense of humor he has to right <laughs> he does i know and some of the ways that he's spoken to me are just funny and um but it's like if i if i had such a narrow view of god it's like the only way that i can hear god is if i'm sitting in church or reading my bible I would have missed so much because although those are wonderful things and you can't discount those most of the time when he's talking to me it's in my day-to-day -day life 
And when you're vacuuming. Exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and he'll speak to me through music. He'll speak to me with, through movies. He'll speak to, you know, just things that aren't even what, what be, would be considered spiritual, but he will take a truth and say, Hey, look at this. And so, um, that's kind of off the topic, but that's, that's a, uh, something that's really dear to me is I really want to encourage people to open their eyes and say, God, what are you saying to me? Uh, and how, you know, how do you speak to me? And I think some people, he speaks to me in puns. Oh yeah. Sometimes because I'm a writer and I love puns. And so a lot of times he, he does is punny. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, I just like to keep my eyes and my mind and my spirit open to hear him. But on the other hand, you don't want to be led around by, you know, because I've known people that have done things like that too. And that's mm -hmm. where, that's where it is so important to be grounded in the word and take anything that you believe that you've heard from the Lord to the word and say, is this yes with your word or is this against your word? Because I've known mm -hmm. people that have felt they've heard things from the Lord and it absolutely not up to date with the word yeah and so um that's and, one thing that that's just a real um plumb line for me is it has to you know agree with the with the word of god he won't contradict himself right but uh but yeah i i just like to encourage people to um open their eyes and their ears and say uh you know what do you want to talk to me about today oh and i love that question. happens what do you want to talk to me about today? Yes. We always go to God with so many uh, prayer requests and needs. and But, you know, it's a relationship. And if you have a relationship with somebody and all you do is just go to them and ask them for stuff and you don't hear what their heart is, it's not much of a relationship. Yeah. Exactly. And we... We might get what we're asking for, but it's completely different if, if it's just, oh, you want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Okay, there you go. There's your peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Or I would really like something fantastic for lunch. How are you doing today? Oh, come sit down with me and let's eat something together. Right. You know, it's yeah. totally different. We'll get Absolutely. our needs. We'll always get our needs. Right. But it's not the same when we have a relationship and and the other thing and uh, this is one reason why i'm i'm writing um, a book series for, for young adult women i have a heart for them it seems like they're at that age they're in such a prime time to hear god at, for the direction of their lives and so i want to i want to uh use my stories my fiction stories to show them that following god being a Christian is an adventure. It's not a, a series of rules of don't do this. It is like, it's the greatest adventure you can have. And I, I just want to encourage, you know, them as they read these stories that I've written that um, just to jump in and see where God takes them. And so that's one reason why I've started to write the series that I am writing that down to jump in and see where God takes you. Yes. So many good things. 
It's hard to not get good things when we're talking about God. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. So um, do you have a favorite word? Well, um, you know, it's kind of funny. I, I haven't um, done this for uh, much, although there's, I'm within several writers groups there, this year, there's the word of the year. They want to know what your word for the year is. Yeah. And it, it kind of reminded me years and years ago when Phil and I were, were first, when we first met each other, um, we had a, um, something that we did on New Year's Eve at my church where they had these pocket promise cards. I don't know if you've ever seen them where they have a, they have like a little uh, cardboard card and it has a scripture written on it. And so they would pray over these and they would, you know, pass the, uh, the bag around with all these cards and you reach in and take one. And that was your promise for the year. And oh, so, beautiful. Uh, <laughs> so I, it was always so fun because uh, one of my friends, um, she pulled out, um, and when you've been tried, you'll come forth as pure gold. Well, she had just been become engaged just in days before to a young man whose last name was gold. And oh, so we, we had we laughed at that. <laughs> but when my husband, who at the time was uh, not my husband, he pulled out a scripture and it said, um, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver them out of them, out of them all. And uh, we were just starting to date. And I was like, I don't know about this. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know if I want to go with this afflictions of the righteous. That's process. the road of afflictions. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but on the other hand, that verse has sustained us for many, many years, <laughs> too. So, um, but anyway, my, my word of the year, and the Lord gave it to me a couple weeks ago. Um, I was in prayer with someone and He's, he told me the word fruitfulness. And uh, I thought, oh, okay, it didn't really register that too much with me. I guess I didn't feel like I was ready to be fruitful yet. I felt like I needed more pruning, I think. Just as I say that, I realize that's what I was thinking. But he told me fruitfulness. And so uh, I kept, I said, okay, I'm going to put that away and I'm going to see if you. Um, confirm it because that's another way that I ask the Lord to talk to me is you know I don't just take what I think I heard and run with it all the time I'm, I need mm -hmm. confirmation and so um, a few days later um, someone else used that word and it kind of brought that up in me again and then um, Sunday um, uh, Alex is uh, home from uh, he lives in California now but he's home visiting and so uh, we couldn't get out to go to church, so he and I watched his home church on TV. And the pastor opened his Bible and he said, I'm going to preach on fruitfulness. <laughs> I was like, okay, I get it. <laughs> so <clears throat> I believe that's my word for the year. Um, and I'm excited because there's a lot uh, worse words I could get, I think. Uh, <laughs> So that, um, that is my word. And I, uh, I, there's, there's a couple of things that, that are kind of like, I guess, um, foundations for me. And one of them is what I shared earlier about the desires of your heart. I really believe that, that um, 
if we delight ourselves in the Lord, he puts his desires in us. And that even things that, that we wanted or we desired as children, that, you know, those, we might've been born with those desires and they get covered up and they get deluded and they get thrown away. And, uh, and God wants us to, um, you know, remember those promises and believe again and ask him to resurrect some of those things that have been pushed down and discarded and said, that's too big. God can't do that. Uh, I can't do that. Right. And, uh, he wants to bring those things up in us again and, uh, and just let, and see what he's going to do with it. And see what he's going to do with it. When we yes. stop trying to be in charge, stop trying exactly. to stuff our, our feelings and, keep things down. And sometimes it doesn't look like we thought, you know, when I, oh. when I was growing up, I, um, I, I will say that I believe God put adoption in my heart way early as a child. I had, I had some, um, some friends of my, my parents had adopted and I just, I believe God planted that seed in me then, but, uh, but I never would have imagined as I was looking forward, that I would have the adventures that I had, that I've had and I'm having now, uh, it, it just didn't look the way I thought it would. And so we need to be willing to let God write the story. It's like he takes that kernel that he puts in us, but he has a much better story than we can conjure in our minds. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's, that's another thing that I really am passionate about is encouraging people to sit down with the Lord and say, um, what are those things that, you know, you put in me that you want to bring up again, those hidden desires, those hidden, um, you know, plans and purposes that you put in me that are not too late. And, and it's so, never too late. It's never too late. It's never too late. If it's something that God has in store and, and would right. like for us to do, it's never too late. And I think another beautiful piece of this is our agency. We get to choose. We get to choose how long we keep those down or choose. Right. You know, I was presented with the option of taking all four or not of our kids. And thank goodness that I agreed to to take those, take that challenge and that blessing, uh, the challenges really are blessings. And, yes. um, but we have our agency, we get to mm -hmm. choose and we can right. participate and make those parts. How did you say it? Make God's desires become our desires. Right. And we can choose that. And I think that one of his um, his purposes in human life is for us to be happy mm -hmm. and to choose to be happy. And that's really how we do get to be happy is we, we take what's in us and let it be a part of us. Right. Right. Yeah, I agree. And, and as far as being happy, it's, um, you know, I know when I was looking at, you know, your, uh, pot, your, uh, programs called uh, cheerful by by choice yes correct yes yes and it is a choice 
I, I know people that choose not to be cheerful. <laughs> yes, <laughs> unfortunately. Yes, but uh, I, I purposely, it's not that I don't, you know, have the same emotions as others and, you know, get discouraged or, you know, sad or, or anything, but uh, I purposely try to guard my joy. And, mm. um, and if I see something that's starting to steal my joy, I, I re-examine, do, do I need this in my life? If it's stealing my joy, because my joy, and I don't mean joy in life and, you know, having things or, but I mean, just my basic joy, no matter what circumstances are, uh, I need to, we need to protect that. And uh, some of the things that I do, I mean, uh, I know, you know, a lot of times people will say, I read my Bible and I do. Um, one of the things that has also been a very strong um, uh, foundation for me is, uh, I think it was in, uh, let me look this up, I had it a minute ago. It's uh, Joshua 4.9. Uh, it's, it's a story of where Joshua was leading the children of Israel through the Jordan River. Mm -hmm. And um, after they crossed, the Lord uh, God, you know, tells them that he wants the one man from each of the 12 tribes to take a stone from the river and to build um, a monument and that those are stones of remembrance so that they will see that and remember what God has done and so I take out stones of remembrance all the time I will I will go through and um just telling my story to you is, is a stone of remembrance, but there are so many others. And um, I remind myself about the things that God has done. And I remember at one point, um, the Lord just uh, kind of led me into a period of time where I was like, God, how gracious you are that I was born in the time when I was born, that I was born where I was born, that I was born to the family I was born into, and you know, just down, down to the very specifics about my life and every detail that he has arranged, not because I'm so special, but because he has a plan. He has a reason for putting me where I am at the point that I am with the people that I'm with. And so I, I remind myself of that, that it's, um, that it's just his grace that it's, um, that, you know, I can live where I live. And uh, sometimes we look at the bad things. Yeah, this has been a rough two years. Yeah. Um, for, in so many ways. And I could sit here and start listing all of the negative things, but I choose to say, God, we're still here. We still have a home. We still have food. We still, you know, and I just start listing the things that he has done for us. And those are my stones of remembrance. And so that's what I encourage people to do is just start writing down things that he has done and just rehearsing those. And building up your faith and building up your um, your gratitude 
you know, I think that's one thing that a lot of that a lot of us are missing these days is gratitude. Yes. Um, yes. And I call it wrapping it in gratitude. I like a warm mm, blanket. We need to yes. snuggle everything up <laughs> just yeah, a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes, that's a wonderful tool for our toolbox. Yes. Stones of remembrance. I've never heard anyone refer to it like that before, mm -hmm. but taking the time to have that gratitude and rehearse it. Exactly. Not just exactly. make a note of it, but remind ourselves. Right. Yeah, the word says you stir yourself up in your faith. And that's that's what you have to do. And that's how you do it. That is, that is exactly. And, you know, sometimes I listen to worship music and, um, and one thing that I do, and um, I used to work for um, a ministry that I wrote um, for a few articles for their newsletter. And one of them, one of my favorite articles I wrote was about laughter. I believe that laughter is a wonderful gift that God has given us and that it literally is medicine. And uh, I did some research for this article about um, people that had been sick and how laughter had uh, helped with their healing. And so I um, choose to find things to laugh about. And uh, I don't care. I'm not so much into, I don't like like slapstick kind of, you know, things, but I like more word uh, humor, I guess. Word play. Exactly. Um, but uh, the other day, some, somebody sent something and uh, I started reading it and I was like laughing out loud. And I'm not a very demonstrative person in that way, but nobody was around here. And sometimes just the physical release yes laughter uh i know some people say that about crying but i always say you know people will go well when you come to this movie with me it's really sad and i'm like i refuse to cry recreationally i reserve my tears for when they you know uh, and but i do know that people use that as release well i use laughter as release and I really believe that if we pursue that, you know, God gave us humor. God, you know, God has a sense of humor. If you read the Bible, he does have a sense of humor. And so I feel like that um, sometimes you just have to be purposeful and say, I need to do this for my mental health. I need to laugh. And whatever makes you laugh, um, as long as it's not negative against somebody else, but mm -hmm. you know, whatever makes you laugh, go after it and pursue it and take it just like, you know, you take your vitamin D. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, one of our favorite places, and I don't ever go there, but there's this subway store that has a big sign just out on Main Street that we drive by every day when we go to school. And some sometimes it'll have like this is what's on sale today, but every day it has a joke and sometimes yes. it has several jokes going through the day and we'll drive by and we're like what's the joke for today yes. <laughs> and yes. then if it's a good one we repeat it over and over um, right. my son's favorite one 
uh, Merrick, his favorite one is um, bread in zoo, or no, baguettes in the zoo are bread in captivity. Oh. <laughs> that wordplay stuff. <laughs> yes, I love, I love it. I just love <laughs> it's like dad jokes every day. <laughs> oh, yes. And you know, another thing I do is I, uh, I write down and I remember and I share things that my kids have said through the years. And sometimes they, as you know, kids can say some yes. really funny things. <laughs> and so sometimes it, even if I can't think of anything else, I'll just think about you know, what they did and I'll start to chuckle. And I'm like, it, it's just good for us. We, we need it to, uh, I mean, this has been again, such a rough time and we just need to do things that keep our, our spirits and our uh, attitude in the right place. And mm -hmm. so that's one thing I would encourage to add to the toolbox is humor. You need yes. to add humor every day to yes. your life. And um, I remember when my middle child, Dallas, he, he struggled a lot and he uh, had quite a bit of depression and um, actually I had some suicide issues for a little while. We got through it. It was one of the, my motivations for having this podcast, but um, one of his teachers before said, or he was a class clown before he got depressed. Mm -hmm. He was just the funniest kid and he's got some of it back, but I remembered his, I think it was his third grade teacher when we're like frustrated or pass your classes, try to pass your classes. Don't just laugh at everything. And she says, well, I hope he doesn't lose that. I, I was like, oh, I hope he doesn't lose that. And I had never thought of that. And as a mom, I realized I'm trying to change him. I'm trying to make him conform and don't laugh all the time. But we really do need that. Absolutely. And then when he did lose it a little bit, I was so crushed. I'm like, yeah. oh, and he's got it back now. It's not the yes. same as when he was in third grade, but he's he's a funny guy again. Yes. And is precious. Yes, absolutely. Where can people find you and get your books? Your okay. wonderful books. I'm so <laughs> excited to read them myself. I, it's really great. Um, well, my books, I can get them on Amazon. Um, uh, my, my true story, Child of Promise, uh, tells uh, more detail of what I shared with you about the adoptions, but also uh, a lot about my, my growing up. I, I actually was uh, sent home at age seven with an incurable disease, and the doctors told my parents I was going to die. Oh, and wow. Hit me. And, uh, and I had a stalker for a few years, and uh, yeah, it's quite the story. <laughs> so that's, that's Child of Promise. And then I have just recently uh, started um, I, with Scrivening's Press. I have uh, a series called Justice Montana series. It's set in Montana. And it is, um, uh, it's about three sisters. And the, and the girl that's telling the story, uh, she's 16, 17 during the series. But I have most of my readers are women right grown women uh it's technically i guess a young adult but there are older people in it that have it's more of a uh adventure very light romance um and humor 
I, I won't read a book that doesn't have a little humor in it. And I certainly <laughs> won't write one <laughs> that way. So uh, it has humor in it. And so uh, the first book in the series was published uh, in February this year, it's September Shadows. And then uh, October Outlaw was just released in um, last month. And um, I'm in the process of writing uh, the newer book. And I've got a couple more plans. So um, that Justice Montana series is also on Amazon. Uh, you can get it online at uh, Walmart, Barnes and Noble, um, you know, pretty much any place that you can order books. And I do have a website. It's uh, debbymiggett.com, which was really hard for me because I'm like, I don't want to put my name on <laughs> but apparently that's the way it's done so anyway that's uh that's where my website is you can find a little bit more information you can also find a little bit of information about uh the ministry that i have of child of promise where i advocate for adoption and um then of course i'm on facebook and uh instagram. all the wonderful places instagram yes. too okay instagram. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Well, I, I am excited to read your books because I, I read an adult kind of book, but I didn't know that. Okay. So adult means different things in different worlds, right? right sure. But a grown up book, I, I was reading this book and it was about moms and a super mom and she could squirt cleaner out of her fingers <laughs> and clean oh, the house and, and I was like, this is a cool book. And yeah. I turned to chapter two and it started having swear words and it was all about sex. And I was like, in oh, chapter two, yeah. I, I thought I was hooked and it was going to be so great. And I'm like, oh, and I couldn't, couldn't read it anymore. And, um, I'm really, uh, looking all the time for good books that, right. um, I, I don't know why there's books for grownups that um why do i have to grow up i'm gonna go read your young adult books yes i why yes. do i have to grow up and go have that other yucky stuff that i can't read yes. and still I, exactly. feel good inside right I so know. i love that i'm very excited to to know about your books good yes <laughs> all right so debbiemiggett.com and we will have a couple of links in the description and um Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. And sharing all about the miracles in your life. It was my pleasure. I, I love I love to tell the story, <laughs> like that old song says. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Hello, fellow happy teenagers. Hello. Wait, you guys are happy and you're teenagers? How does that happen? Well, we use the frame formula to have great relationships. The frame formula? What's that? Well, you can learn about it in the book my mom wrote. Yeah. yeah! It's called the frame formula, your parenting source to communicate like it's your superpower. Go to www.theframeformula.com www.theframeformula.com Alright, I'm going there now. I need a superpower. Thanks! That's a wrap for today. Thanks for being part of the Cheerful by Choice movement. Remember, you are more amazing than you can imagine. 
Sign up for our newsletter at cheerfulbychoice.com and let us know what you're thinking in the comments or send us a message. See you next time.